3: Guilty by accusation. That's the name of a book written by this guy,
0: Alan Dershowitz. Saying to you, I never met Virginia Jufre. I never had sex with her. And the reason I'm saying it, it's because it's true. She, on the other hand, Virginia Jufre, has never and will never stand in front of any media and repeat. Her lie saying that she did have sex with me because she knows if she repeats it she knows if she repeats it she will be sued for defamation so i think each of you has a responsibility to ask her to repeat in front of the media her false charge i don't believe she will ever do it i want to vindicate my first amendment right to yeah. be able to say Till the day I die that I never met Virginia Dufresne, I never had any sexual encounter with her, and that she knows that. I want to say that, and I will say it to the day I die.
3: And he will say it right here on this show, coming up in a few minutes. Alan Dershowitz uh, helped in the defense of O.J. Simpson. He defended Jeffrey Epstein, and one of Epstein's alleged sex slaves has accused uh, Dershowitz of sexually assaulting her. You just heard what Dershowitz had to say about that. Why did he feel compelled to write a book in his own defense? Why is this woman accusing him? And why did Jeffrey Epstein get such a light sentence? We'll talk to him about that. But I'll also ask him about men being accused of sexual assault or rape in the Me Too era and whether they can expect to get a fair trial. He's also written a book in defense of Donald Trump, even though he voted for Hillary Clinton. He said from the beginning that there were no grounds for impeachment, but he was impeached. And we'll ask him how he feels about Nancy Pelosi sitting on the articles of impeachment all this time. Should be a good segment. Alan Dershowitz live coming up next. Stick around. I'm a movie guy. You know, I love going to see movies, but this uh, grueling preparation that I go through to prepare this award-winning radio program has cut into the number of movies I see lately. But there are some that I have to make time for, and one of those is going to be released to a theater near you on Friday. Maybe you've seen the trailers. It's called 1917. It's a war movie. World War I, but it's a lot more than that. It's also a buddy movie. It's a story of two American infantrymen who were picked to save 1,600 troops who had left to chase some Germans who had retreated. But reconnaissance showed that the Germans were hoping the Americans would chase them, and they were preparing a major ambush. All 1,600 Americans would die if Lance Corporal Blake, whose brother was in the group of 1,600, and Corporal Schofield, who was kind of picked at random by Blake to go on this mission with him, they all die if they don't catch up to the Americans and warn them of the ambush. It's based on a true story, and it's realistic, believe me, sometimes gory, and does a great job of showing just how gruesome it was for the guys who had to fight in World War I in those trenches. Special effects are great, and what's really amazing is that with all the action for two hours, a little bit over two hours, it looks like it was all done in one take with one camera. 1917's already won a Golden Globe. It's being called the best picture of the year. It's hard to imagine one that was better. Make sure you go see it.
2: Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com. You can post your job to one hundred plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over four hundred thousand businesses. And right now. Listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash America. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash America. One more time. To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash America.
4: This is boot camp. This is the real thing now. You've never done anything so hard in your life. You don't understand how you can finish. It takes inner strength and desire to become marine. When I, I finished, I was like, I did it. The moment I will never forget. Is when this drill instructor that I admire so much comes up to me and said, good
5: morning, Marine. PFC Summer Volkman became a Marine. Can you? Visit
2: Marines.com or call 1-800-MARINES.
3: If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm John Steigerwald. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in the network. Isn't it time for a change? Well, stop the insanity and call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30%. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. 724-884-1496.
0: Email phishing attacks cost businesses billions annually in real cash, data loss, and brand damage. Phishing emails are hard to detect because the messages appear to be legitimate to unsuspecting employees. Introducing Barracuda Fishline, a groundbreaking cloud-based solution designed to help employees recognize sophisticated email phishing attacks through interactive training reinforced by continuous simulation. Transform your employees from a liability into a line of defense. Go to Barracuda.com slash PL to learn more.
6: Our military service members volunteer to protect us in the most dangerous places around the world. They step up. And when they are severely ill or injured, returning to their families is only the beginning of their long road home. Beyond all the hospitals and doctors and surgeries they need just to survive, they also deserve whatever they need to truly live all the in-home care and day-to-day help they need to live independently on their own terms. Wounded Warrior Project long-term support programs were established to provide these brave men and women whatever they need to continue their fight for independence at no cost for life. So many of them need us, and it's time for a grateful nation to step up. Find out how you can do your part at findwwp.org. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer.
3: Well, I have some uh, annoying, I was going to say bad news to report, but it's actually annoying. Uh, our producer, uh, Aaron Byrne, just put a call in to Alan Dershowitz, who we've had lined up here for, I don't know, a week. And I've been promoting and um, on Twitter and here last couple of days, and um, I'm all ready to go with Alan Dershowitz at 5.15. It's now 5.15, about uh, well, 5.14.45, and uh, he answered the phone and said, oh, I have a speech I got to do right now. Can I do this tomorrow? Well, I would have liked to have Alan Dershowitz on, and I would, would like to have him on for tomorrow. I have an opening tomorrow, but I don't want him. <laughs> How do you do that? It's radio. You, you don't you don't say that you're going to be. And and he was offered to us. We didn't seek him out. And this is the kind of things that the thing that happens in um, in radio. Um, we called him, or rather, we we uh, agreed to put him on the air. We set it up for five fifteen today, and um, we waited until I don't know, two minutes ago before Aaron called and. He answered. He answered the phone. We'll give him that. It didn't just blow us off that way, but he said, Oh, geez, uh, I'm sorry. I have a speech I have to do right now. Can I do it tomorrow? Uh, no. You know, I mean, he's got a book out, and I'm not even going to mention the book because I hope he doesn't sell any of them uh, after that. But uh, uh, it would have been an interesting conversation. I had some good questions for him, and uh, I think you would have liked to listen to it. But I got nothing. So... Um, I'm done. I, I, I have a guest lined up for uh, our next half hour. And um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that this person that we have lined up you know, actually goes on the radio as he said he would. Uh, we'll try to get to that. But um, there's not a whole lot else I can do except uh, maybe you can bail me out here. Give me a phone call. We'll talk about anything you want. Ask me anything sports, news, politics 844 302 1250. 844 302 1250. I know you've, uh, I think that we've kind of established here that we do a show where, um, you know, I don't necessarily depend on callers. That's kind of, I, I kind of, it's not an accident. I think we set ourselves apart here from not depending on callers to make the show and not, nothing, uh, that's nothing against the callers or the listeners, but it's just everybody, anybody can go on the, on the air and throw out a topic and then wait for somebody to call. And uh, I've always had this theory that if you're on the phone, if you're on the radio using, throwing out the phone number and asking people to, begging people to call, that means you didn't prepare. And uh, it's lazy radio. Well, I wasn't lazy today. I just figured that someone like Alan Dershowitz would, you know, if uh, if he says he's going to be on the show, he'd be on the show. Um, so I didn't prepare a lot for this segment. I got a I got a uh, segment prepared for the next half hour. That's the way I do the show. Uh, I'm when we go on the air, I know what I'm going to do, and it's set out. And it's only an hour, so it's uh, not like doing a three hour show. So I can I can. Um, I can do a show without callers uh, purposely. And it's not because I don't think you have anything to add, but it's just um, I, I like feeling prepared to do a show whether anybody calls or not. So I see we do have some people uh, on the line now. We'll get to them in just a second. But um, thanks to Alan Dershowitz for uh, blowing me off. Thanks a lot, Alan. And I'll remember that every time I see you now from now on <laughs> on, uh, on television. The number is... Uh, Eight four four three zero two twelve fifty. I have to I actually have to think to give the number because we don't we don't do that a lot around here. But um, there are a lot of things happening in the news today that we could talk about, uh, news and sports. But um, uh, I guess the to me the thing that sticks out to me that's come out today is the the plane crash uh, from the Baghdad airport um, the other night. What, what, what night was it? Uh, Tuesday night. And now the uh, US is saying that it doesn't look like an accident. Well, it might be an accident, but it wasn't it, it was an accident related to those missiles that were being fired off. And um, it wasn't just engine trouble or something like that. I'm I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that. But uh which line are we going to, Aaron? Uh Ruth, you're on. Go ahead, you're on. Thanks for calling.
4: Hi, you're gonna like my phone call. Um I'm calling from Pittsburgh. My name is Ruth. Yeah. And I'm a little out of breath because I have asthma, so excuse me. i am been okay. around here. Cool. Um, okay. I talked to Alan um, Dershowitz in 86 a number of times. I wish I wasn't so huffy with the asthma. A number of times uh, because I was involved in a precedent-setting sexual harassment case here in Pittsburgh in 1986. It was filed. And I was very naive. I was going into the courts. I didn't understand how going up against a very large university could be difficult. I was really stupid. So naive.
3: let me stop you there for a second. You were, you were accusing someone of sexual assault?
4: Uh, well, he did that, too. But harassment. Okay. The broad picture was a continuing pattern of sexual harassment, which blew apart my graduate program and my undergraduate program. Okay. Okay, so um, I called a lot of people, and I got a lot of support. This was early in Title IX. When people were just starting to sue. And I didn't know I was going to get really a lot of blowback when I went into federal court. I had a very good judge. At first, his name was mm-hmm. and uh, I remember
3: that name. Yeah,
4: He was a senior. Are you in Pittsburgh?
3: Yeah. He's, yeah. yeah
4: God. He's a God. Everyone's going to be to this. He's a senior judge. Was a senior yeah. judge. And you yeah. might remember, he got removed from the bench because he made an off-color comment to a female attorney.
3: Uh, well, a lot I don't of people remember think, that. But yeah.
4: Well, he was. You can look it up. A lot of pe- some people think that that happened because I was about to bring a dream team into the courtroom and blow it apart. I, co- I had so many expert witness, Dr. Oh. Richard Ossie. Okay, well, Ruth. Okay, Ruth. Get, well, get well, to how, Alan Dershowitz.
3: Okay. Yeah. How does this? How, how, uh, how does this? Um,
4: okay. I'll, I'll be like. How does Alan, Alan Dershowitz. Dershowitz
3: fit into this? When story? I was
4: reaching out to all kinds of people across the country, trying to get an attorney, uh-huh. uh, just feeling my way around to build this case, get expert witness support, all of which I did. I called Alan Dershowitz, and um, he was very famous then, too, as you know. And he was wonderful on the phone. He was so supportive of me. I remember him being outraged and saying, that should never happen to any woman on a college campus. He was legitimately outraged. And I called him several times, and he was that supportive every time. He said, I'm a criminal appeals attorney. I can't help you, but I'm going to send you to Susan Estridge. And that's another famous attorney yeah, that's on. Yeah, yeah, Okay, well, I talked to Susan Estrich. She, too, was incredibly supportive, but she was into politics then and really tied up. Mm-hmm. So she couldn't be my attorney. I ended up getting a famous attorney uh, willing to pick it up if it ever got past summary judgment, a well, failing prizer. But, but Alan Dershowitz, Alan Dershowitz was, was,
3: treated you well, is what you're saying?
4: I don't believe for a minute that a man that talked to me and gave me so much support... I'm supportive of all the women on the Epstein case, but that one I find very, very hard to believe.
0: Well, I, I, I,
3: I support uh, him. I agree with you, and we would have given him a chance to say that. But one, one of his flaws appears to be not being able to um, show up for appointments. But, I, and I, but I got to go. I, I appreciate your call, Ruth. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Hey. And uh, you know, we spent a lot of time on this show making fun of uh, political correctness and just plain stupidity. They seem to go hand in hand, actually. Um, And you may have noticed that I, I don't know, I tend to be skeptical of conventional wisdom, and there's a lot of conventional wisdom, actually, that, that, you know, that that, uh, ends up being stupidity when you look into it. Well, Wilford Riley is is an assistant uh, professor of political science at Kentucky State University, and he has a book coming out uh, that deals with a lot of that, and he joins us now. Wilford, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, uh, Wilford, I... uh, we we put you on a little early because uh, Alan Dershowitz blew me off. You know, you know, you know who Alan Dershowitz is, don't you? Uh, I do, I do indeed. Yeah. Okay. Well, he blew me off, so uh, that was that. Anyway, I'm glad I'm glad you're here. Uh, we've had you on before to talk about your book, and you got a new book coming out. So I'm told the book is about uh, quote things you just. It's called uh, Taboo, and the quote is that it's things you just can't say in modern middle class life so which one would you like to start with
7: well I mean they all they all kind of go together I mean the first one uh, seems a little relevant to the call you just had but uh, the first taboo truth is that men and women are different and men can't just decide to become women um, but the book goes the topic of the book is all of the things that you're not supposed to say at a dinner party or during Thanksgiving. In conversations about uh, anything but sort of race, religion, crime, so on. So, I mean, one of the taboo truths is that the Black Lives Matter movement was wrong about almost everything that it said. Um, I actually found out doing some research for my last book, Hate Crime Hoax, that less than 1,200 people per year are shot by the cops. A typical year, only 200 to 300 of them are black. Uh, almost directly proportional. There's no epidemic, or if you adjust for crime rates, there's no epidemic of cops killing African-American men. I would argue that Black Lives Matter actually got a ton of young black men killed. Um, there's no epidemic of interracial crime. I go into this on both sides. But for the past year, we've seen the coverage of all these, uh, quote-unquote, barbecue Becky-style incidents, um, promoted via hashtags like Living While Black, with the idea being that it's almost impossible just to exist in this country as a middle-class black person. I look into that. I find out that interracial crime makes up maybe 15% of crime. About 80% of it is minority on white. Uh, Barbecue Becky herself didn't really do anything wrong. She was complaining about a group of people holding a full-on cookout in a dog-run area of a park where you're not supposed to grill. And I go on through uh, all this kind of thing, white privilege, cultural appropriation, I devoted a chapter to crazy movements on the on the right, like the alt right, which wants to break the country up into tiny quote unquote ethno states. So the book looks at all of the things people say very widely, socially or on the internet, that are just absolute nonsense. Like the idea of cultural appropriation, for example, you're not supposed to learn things from other people.
3: Yeah, can't do that. Now, I'm white, and I get a lot of pushback from uh, black people if I say the Black Lives Matter movement is based on a false narrative, but you're black. So what happens when you try to point that out, as you just did here?
7: People call me a white supremacist, too. (laughs) Um, that's, now, that's kind of a joke. I mean, in practice, I teach at a historically black college. I'm pretty yeah. well received here. So there is an element of cover, obviously, if you're an African-American. People generally feel you can say a little more about the black community. Uh, the same thing might apply to, for example, a Jewish American talking about anti-Semitism, so on. But, I mean, obviously, there's still a hostile backlash. The thing that surprised me, though, about Black Lives Matter is that this really isn't a debatable issue. Uh, most of the things Black Lives Matter said were just wrong, and they were covered as though they were just right by a very sympathetic media. So, I mean, if you go to the website, they have a website, it's the Platform for the Movement for Black Lives. There are claims made on there that I quote in the book, like tens of thousands of innocent black people are killed by the police. Uh, Mr. Biko, an activist for Black Lives Matter, said a black person has murdered, his quote, um, every 28 hours in the USA. And again, if you actually look at... Police violence. Again, you find about a thousand people per year killed by cops. Maybe 250 of them will be black. You can argue that that's still a larger percentage than what black people make up of the country itself. We're about 14 percent of the country. But you then have to adjust for crime rates, age. Um, the most common age for white men is 58, for example. Most common age for black men is 27. So when you take all that into account, you see that there's really no pattern of unprovoked police abuse of black guys just going to church. And that's not surprising because about one cop in four is black.
3: Yeah, and um, it has, you, you said that the, the Black Lives Matter movement may have caused uh, a lot of black uh, people to be killed. How do, how do you, why is that?
7: Well, that's uh, that's not just me. That's James Comey. I mean, I lean center right myself, but he's a he's a leftist uh, former official. Obviously, yeah. pretty famous over the past couple of years, but he coined the term Ferguson Effect to describe what you actually saw after the rise of Black Lives Matter. And regardless of whether or not cops sometimes cross the line in, you know, densely populated, quote unquote, hood urban districts, unfortunately, they probably sometimes do, it's a simple reality that following BLM, these massive violent marches, politicians taking part, police chiefs being called in on the carpet, police just stopped policing in a lot of cities. And this is as true for black police as white police. And I document that in the book. So in Chicago, DNA Info, which is one of our great local papers, actually ran this crazy headline that said, Uh, police stopped down 90% while crime skyrockets. Crime increased in the district they were focusing on about 300%. So if you have the feeling that if you get into an armed altercation with a young man, especially a young black man, you're going to be fired and you might be killed in jail, frankly, you're going to be less likely to jump out of the cop car and do what's called proactive policing. So you kind of got for at least a year and a half, and it seems to be receding a little bit, Um, The Trump administration wasn't that patient with it. I mean, the large number of black chiefs weren't that patient with it. But for at least two years after the Black Lives Matter movement, you saw a dramatic decline in active policing. You saw cops going back to just, you know, driving by the street corner in their cars. Police Uh, are human. You don't necessarily want to do a hard job that police are going to object to you doing. People are going to object to you doing.
3: Right. It's a lot easier to just go get some donuts. I mean, you know, why, uh, why, why wade your way into where the trouble is, you know, uh, and and yeah. and that's going to mean an increase in crime because the, the 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 people who I like to call the crime committing uh, community, they uh, they know that the cops aren't coming <laughs> around anymore. Um, they, uh, Wilford, I got to take a break. Can you uh, stick around for uh, the break? And then I want to talk to you about uh, Colin Kaepernick because. He's, uh, he's, he's considered, I it think, the, the patron saint of some of this stuff, and I think um, it's, he's, he's caused more problems than he's he's, he's... he's made more of an issue than it, sh- it should have been, and he's more of a problem than a help. I'll, we'll be right back, though. Uh, thanks for sticking around, and we'll be back with Wilfred Riley, the author You're of Taboo. Stick right there, and we will be right back.
5: S R N News. I'm John Scott. The House has moved toward approval of a non-binding measure limiting President Trump's ability to take military action against Iran. The House debating the resolution ahead of a vote expected later this afternoon. Forecasters say a storm system approaching a handful of southern states is looking more and more menacing. The Storm Prediction Center says nearly 19 million people in Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas, and Oklahoma will be at an enhanced threat of storms Friday. That could include strong tornadoes and flooding rains. The area includes several major Texas cities, including Dallas, Houston, and Austin. A rally in big technology companies sent apples, like uh, Apple sent major stocks to more record highs on Wall Street today. The Dow picked up 211 points today. The NASDAQ was up 74 and the S&P ahead 21. This is SRN news.
8: The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management.
7: My story begins with debt, a lot of debt, credit card debt. And I heard a commercial for Trinity. I gave them a call.
8: If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496.
7: When I first called, I was a little embarrassed and kind of ashamed. And I looked at the numbers and I saw how quickly that astronomical debt that was in my life would go away.
8: Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands.
7: What I would tell other people, please pick up the phone and call Trinity. Just let them put together a program and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt.
8: Call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. That's 1-800-936-5496. Dr. Sebastian Gorka
2: explains a Democrat
5: vote. If you vote for the Democrats, you are voting to allow the cartels to keep making their billions of dollars at the expense of our country and our fellow Americans for a party that wishes to sabotage the economy that we have today.
2: America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka.
5: After minutes at 3, right before John
2: Steigerwald at 5 on AM 1250. The answer.
5: When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? Amid the chaos? Or is the best time perhaps today? Go to ready.gov slash communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hold fast! The
3: best picture of the year
5: is 1917. Raves
8: Forbes Magazine. We've got all to across here. That is the German front line. It's a soaring tribute to heroism that's both epic and intimate. We need to keep moving!
2: The best war movie since Saving Private Ryan. There's only one way this ends. Last Man Standing. 1917. Rated R. Under 17, not made without parent. Now playing in select theaters. Everywhere Friday.
3: This is Jay Hagerman
2: of Abernathy and Hagerman.
7: For legal help
2: that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. Online holiday shopping lets you find the perfect gift in just a few taps. But it could also help expose your personal info, leaving you potentially vulnerable to identity thieves. Good thing there's LifeLock. If you have a problem with identity theft, they can work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft, but LifeLock gives you peace of mind this holiday season. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year. By using promo code SMART. That's promo code SMART at lifelock.com. AM twelve fifty and FM ninety two point five. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart or radio.com. Stuck in traffic, we've got the answer.
6: All jammed up on the Parkway West. Inbound side, Green Tree Road to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound Banksville Road to Carnegie. Just as heavy on the Parkway East. That's crawl outbound Boulevard of the Allies to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Inbound Edgewood-Swissdale to the Tunnel. Delays on outbound 28 with heavy volume from Chestnut Street to the 40th Street Bridge. And Route 8 to the Highland Park Bridge. Watch out for construction in Emsworth area. Inbound 65, right lane closed at Allegheny Avenue. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson.
0: AM 1250, the answer, weather. Rather cloudy tonight with a low 38. Tomorrow, the temperature approaching the record of 60, set in 1924, with occasional rain and drizzle in a high 56. Tomorrow night, an evening shower, cloudy with fog and a low 51. Saturday, cloudy, windy, and warm, with the temperature approaching the record of 68, set in 1890, with brief showers and a high 67. With your accurate forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick.
2: You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250,
3: The Answer. And we're back here with uh, Wilford Riley. He's the author of a book coming out in a couple of weeks called Taboo. It's a book about things you're not allowed to say in, in polite company, I guess. Uh, also, he uh, also is the author of a book called Hate Crime Hoax, which we had him on to talk about a few a couple of months ago. Um, so, Wilford, I wanted to ask you about Colin Kaepernick. Um Colin Kaepernick's whole narrative and his whole image is based on um, his his um, protesting of blacks being killed, un, uh, murdered by police. And uh, you just said that those numbers are, are just, it just doesn't, it's not true. Uh, but this guy has become a saint among some people. And, you know, he, I think he likes to think of himself as Rosa Parks or Martin Luther King. Uh, and the media have helped them think that. But what, what, what do you think about what the, the, the image that's been created around him? Well, I
7: think that Colin Kaepernick is actually very typical of the modern, quote-unquote, civil rights movement. Uh, in a TV appearance, I once said that a problem in America for activists is that the demand for bigotry, for racism, greatly exceeds the supply. So the reality is, I mean, the USA desegregated in 1954. and That was mostly necessary in the South. My high school has been integrated since the late 1930s. Um, Racism was made illegal with the Civil Rights Act. It's for blacks, for whites, anybody in 1964. Uh, We've had pro-minority affirmative action since 1967. So when people attempt to bring in the dollars or to rally the troops for a civil rights cause today, you often have to use a little, let's say, conscious acting. And Kaepernick, I'm not sure whether he's a well-intentioned actor who believes what he says or not, but Kaepernick's an example. of that. I mean, he's a big, good-looking guy. He's a former athlete. He gets out there and says things that sound terrible, like they're murdering our babies. But if you unpack the number of black Blacks and whites that actually kill each other, much less the number of unarmed black men killed specifically by white cops, which was seventeen last year. I googled that during the break. Uh, it doesn't really make Kaepernick's point. So the question is: Is he doing more harm than good by promoting this kind of narrative that we're at each other's throats?
3: Yeah, but you mentioned before we took the break that that the Black Lives Matter movement has has uh, you think has killed uh, has resulted in the deaths of I think the way you put it was tons of black uh, men. Um, black uh, young men are told by people like Kaepernick to be afraid of cops, to not trust them because they're out there to kill you, and the media um, are, are more than happy to go along with that narrative.
7: Yeah, and I mean, from what I've seen, you have a pretty diverse audience. Although I mean, I suspect like me, right leaning. So I mean, yeah. one thing I would say to anyone listening is, if you're a young man, black or white, it's not hard not to get shot by the police. <laughs> I mean, in virtual, I've been, I'm a fast driver. I'm stopped by the police probably once every two weeks, (laughs) talk to them politely stand up for yourself as a citizen, You know, have your ID ready, and that, that's all that's going to be. You might get a $20 ticket. So, yeah, telling people that tickets are cheaper in Kentucky. But telling people that the police officer that's stopping you, who's one-third likely to be a minority, by the way, is a deadly threat to your life, unless someone's a coward, that's going to get the fight-or-flight reflexes going. That's the worst possible thing to tell someone. So, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I, I would go down on the side of harm, Then I don't see, unless it's real, I don't see that there's much benefit to spreading narratives like that.
3: And uh, I think uh, we're also supposed to believe that women only make 77 cents for every dollar that a man makes. Uh, that can be shot full of holes too, Can Is that part of your um, your narrative in your book at all? Boom.
7: That actually, that gets into the main chapters of the book, which I don't usually lead with on the air because they could be seen as a little boring, although I don't think they are. Yeah. But the main thrust of this book is is that differences between groups don't necessarily indicate racism if minorities are losing out, or for that matter, affirmative action or whatever if whites are losing out. Groups that differ in terms of something as important as race or sex also differ in a ton of other things like age. So I just said completely honestly, the average black man, if you are looking at what's called the modal average, is 27. The average white guy is 58. We have an older white population because of the baby boom. So if you say white people make more money than black people and you don't adjust for that, that's completely dishonest. Of course, a 60-year-old business executive is going to make more than a 27-year-old guy just starting out. Um, but the same thing for uh, what, you're calling, what you're describing, what's sometimes called the gender wage gap by feminists. Yeah. Simple question. I've been in business. You're in business. If you knew you could hire the same quality of business woman for 69 cents on the dollar versus a man, why would anyone ever hire men? And the reason that there's still plenty of men in the working world is that that's not true. There's some sexism, but if you adjust for just a few things, like whether women are working at all, many women prefer to be housewives, what field they're working in, are they trial lawyers or military combat soldiers, and how long they work, the difference between men and women goes down to 1%. So a whole bunch of the book focuses on things like that, like... Bluntly, are urban, say, black or Italian American men stopped more often by the police because they have a higher crime rate? And the answer is often
3: yes. Yeah, we're talking to Wilfred Riley. He's the author of a book coming out in a couple of weeks called "Taboo." Uh, he's a professor, assistant professor of political science at Kentucky State University. Also written a book called "The Hate Crime Hoax." Um, what about and this is a thing as a white guy, um, white privilege? I, I'm, I'm confronted with that a lot, not necessarily you know confronted face to face, but You'll be reading things, and certain things will be attributed to white privilege, and it'll be put, in a, obviously, in a negative way. Uh, so it's a relatively new thing that's out there, this, the white privilege idea. Uh, but th- that claim is made yes. a lot. What should a white person take from that when a black person um, is, is, accuses him of being, I don't know what it is, I, I'm guilty of white privilege, I guess I'm guilty of it. No, I don't
7: think you are. I mean, the easiest response to that, I jokingly accused um, a white friend of having white privilege recently, and he pulled up an ad for my book online and accused me of having rich boy privilege. And I think we're just two guys teasing each other, but I think that really does make a point. The book has a chapter about this. Um, and the title, White Privilege Doesn't Exist, is a little glib. You can argue that there are situations where, you know, a 6'2 blonde would have an advantage job interviews. But in reality, there are about 25 things that determine how you're going to be seen by society. And race is about eighth in terms of importance. So, I mean, you've got things like IQ and bravery that are totally within the self. You've got other things like sex. Uh, the difference between how I treat a man and a woman is a lot bigger than the difference between how I treat a black and a white buddy of mine.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, you've got things like sexual orientation. Um, the big, I could really go on through all 20 of them, having done some academic articles around this as well that I'm prepping as well as the book, but I won't. I'll just say about 80% of privilege is just social class. How rich you are is the biggest determinant of what your house is going to look like, car is going to look like, wife or husband is going to look like for that matter. Race doesn't hold a candle to that
3: well okay let's move on to another interesting topic that's another uh, relatively new one at least for me i'm I'm among those uh, white guys who are over fifty eight um, transgenderism um, Candace Owens I'm sure you're familiar with her uh, a black woman she was just dropped from a podcast because she said only women can give birth so some people apparently think that you're a hater if you say that <laughs>
7: Look, I mean, okay. I think that... Well, now, now, let me say one thing coming from my academic background before I start cracking jokes and talking about some of this. There is technically in the psychological literature a difference between what's called gender and what's called sex. So that means essentially you can dress like anything you want, but you have a biological sex. You're a male or a female. So I think people sometimes intentionally confuse the words man and male. But what I... Would say bluntly as if you're a male, you can't be a female. Uh, Candace Owens is obviously absolutely correct. Only females, people are manipulating maybe a tiny verbal mistake there, can give birth. So, by the way, transgenderism is not going to be the end of the road for this. Do you know what other kin are? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah, actual question. I didn't tell about a week ago. Other kin are people that believe they are, quote unquote, fairy tale creatures or non human animals. Okay. And this isn't just, you know, bro. Yeah, there's a lot of this. If you Google Other Ken, you'll find millions of hits, and you'll find forums that have hundreds of thousands of people participating. And the people participating believe that they are elves. They believe that they are creatures such as wolves. There's a writer called Lupa who says she's a wolf inside. Um, And none of this is, again, just joking. This is a a growing movement. So, And even in the case of gender, you've gone beyond transgenderism (laughs) to, for example, people who believe they are... Um, gender fluid, for example. So you yeah. can be a male some days and a female on other days. Yeah. Um, and I encourage listeners who might think this guy's just lying to look all this stuff up. I mean, more than a million people a piece identify as either gender fluid or other kin, according to the standard psychological data. So, I mean, you could describe a lot of this as just mental illness that's going untreated, certainly when you get into the other kin space. Um, I don't, all I'll say is that, yeah, I don't, obviously there's a difference between males and females, often a very pleasant one. I don't think that's a radical thing to say. And the book talks about that. Because
3: of the idea that it is, yeah, I have had uh, uh, endocrinologists on here to talk about uh, transgenderism, and uh, a couple of them have have um, uh, gender dysphoria. They've compared it to anorexia. That you look in the mirror and you're that, skinny, and you think you're fat. That's and you, you wouldn't. You try to help somebody like that. You don't encourage them. But that's yeah. I, th- I think that
7: that is accurate. That's that's one of the weirdest things about the entire trans conversation that we've had the discipline of real quantitative psychology for 150 years now. So we know that there is a condition called bodily dysmorphia, which includes gender dysphoria, which makes you think that you are other things. And that goes beyond anorexics. I mean, I go to the gym and the boxing gym and I mean, you'll see guys who weigh 250 pounds, diesel, saying things like, I'm too little. I feel small. (laughs) Um, this is a very common condition for, it's a very common condition for aggressive people, especially males. But if you see someone that weighs 250 pounds and they're eating 18 hamburgers a day, the response should be, bro, slow down. It shouldn't be, yes, you are a tiny little girl. Right. I mean, I don't think that you treat mental illness in general by telling sufferers that they are correct.
3: I'm talking to Wilfred riley he's the author of a book taboo which is coming out uh, in, uh later this month he's a uh, assistant professor of political science at kentucky state university on amazon in the description of the author meaning you it says you like to use modern <laughs> quantitative empirical methods to test sacred cow theories uh, is there a reluctance to do that in the media and on too many college campuses these days
7: Yes, I think there is. But I also think that there is an inability to do it. And this is this is very important. This is another kind of one of the most important things I found reading the book. Just discovering a gap between two groups doesn't prove anything. But because most people aren't professional economists or whatnot from college or the military, they don't know that. So you see a great deal of literature. There's a book called The New Jim Crow that's become very influential, for example, that essentially is just based around the idea that men do such and such a thing more often than women or that blacks do such and such a thing more often than whites or whatever. That itself is inherently meaningless. There's a technique that a lot of your listeners will probably be familiar with from the office called regression analysis that allows you to actually break down what happens when you remove all the confounding variables like whites or 58 blacks or 27 and compare similar people to prove racism. You really have to compare an identical black guy and an identical white guy and see if one of them is treated worse. Just saying that a 27-year-old white guy or 27-year-old black guy is poorer than a 27-year-old white guy doesn't prove anything. So I think that a lot of academics uh, tend to focus within kind of their narrow space in academia. And that's important because that's how we get rockets to fly. But uh, every so often I like to leave the little political science journals and so on behind and actually just talk to people and see whether these things that I'm told about in society are real. And very, very often they're not. Very, very often, if you adjust for if you adjust for age and class, white privilege goes away. For example, so often our lives are being changed, and even our rights are being taken away because of things that don't exist at all, and that's a problem.
3: So I got a question for you that I just uh, this is something I just came across uh, a few minutes ago before you came on. Um, I, I don't know if you follow sports, but the the uh, New York oh, fo- yeah. Football Giants hired a, a, a head coach, and he's not black. And he's a wide receivers coach named Judge who worked with the Patriots. And this got Roland Martin on CNN upset. And also, um, I believe, um, well, there were, other, there's, there were other people on there that were upset about it. But here's what J- Martin said. Folks, here's the reality in the NFL. This boils down to whites. Whites. This boils down to 32 owners. <laughs> Only one of the NFL owners isn't white. That's the owner of the Jaguars. What you're seeing with this issue of whiteness in the NFL can be applied to corporate America it applies to the folks who are on boards of directors the reality is that whiteness is still a major issue in this country i just what just i'll just throw it out to you what do you think of that
7: um i tend to be skeptical now i think that's an interesting one because the nfl a lot of these sports, and I'm a huge sports fan, by the way, so I am almost started ranting here, but a lot of these sports organizations are basically legal monopolies. Major League Baseball has Absolutely. special laws that relate
3: just to it. That's exactly what they so are, So yeah.
7: could you see yeah, – so, I mean, and they they have a feeder minor league they don't have to pay for in the colleges. It's It's bizarre. But so could you see racism in a niche situation where you have exactly 32 rich guys, average age 70, maybe – but I think this is, again, another situation where you want to look at the numbers. So if I was really breaking this down, I'd want to look at the number of black coaches in the NFL. So first of all, right now, there are, I think, four black coaches. Mm-hmm. There are about 30 teams. Head coaches, Yeah. So that's, that's directly prop- yeah, head coaches. I mean, they're, yeah, there are a ton of up-and-coming black yeah. coaches, good black coaches, a couple coordinators. But, I mean, so if you've got four guys out of 30 guys, I mean, that's exactly the percentage of black people in society. So a lot of people would just leave that there. I think that what an activist would try to do is then say, well, but the league is 58% black, Mm -hmm. so there must be some racism here. That's not a stupid point, but I'll I'll actually respond with an even wonkier point. You might not have known this, but something like 50% of NFL head coaches are former backup quarterbacks. I don't know if they were at the pro level or not, but you tend to have certain people kind of high SAT guys out there on the field that aren't playing very much they want to go into coaching. It's often the point guard, like wojo in basketball. So if you tell me, well, you know, 58% of the athletes are black, the question then would be how many of the backup quarterbacks are black. So I think you could go back and forth around this kind of thing. For me, I don't know. I I think it's plausible, but I haven't seen any evidence that a qualified black coach has any trouble getting hired in the NFL. But that's a weird situation. Sports organizations in general – a um, little weird. They kind of hire who they want, if you look at how the coaching carousel and work guys usually land. well, hey, Wilford, so the, old, the old boys club, I think, would be a better way to think about that.
3: Right. I'm out of time, but if I had some more time, maybe I'll have you on again to ask you why there are no white cornerbacks, corner, C-O-R-N-E-R, backs in the NFL. There's not a white person in North America qualified to play corner at a major college or NFL level. Not one. It's amazing. Should a study be done on well, that? Maybe. Now, this gets into more taboo things to plug the book. I mean,
7: are okay. there cultural, social, even genetic differences between groups? I don't know. I Remains to be discovered.
3: Well, we'll have to do that another time. Really appreciate you being on. Wilfred Riley, the author of the book Taboo. Thanks a lot.
7: Thanks, be back. Thanks for having
3: me. Okay, we'll be back.
6: What good would common sense for it do? Because it's witchcraft. Witch cry.
1: And although I know it's strictly tabo. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. Just because it's cold outside, it doesn't mean you need to stop grilling. Not if you've got the right grill, and that would be a Solaire Infrared Grill. Solaire infrared grills perform equally well in the cold of winter as in the heat of summer. Just like you feel warm from the sun when you step out of the shadows, the Solaire Infrared Burners heat your food directly, not the air around the food like conventional grills do. The intense heat also results in the juiciest food you will ever taste from a grill, gas, charcoal, or otherwise. To get the great taste, it's all about the heat. And Solaire Infrared from BestHotGrill.com gets hotter than anything you've ever experienced. Try it yourself with the Solaire demo program. Solaire is truly the last grill you'll ever buy. Learn more about these amazing USA-made grills at BestHotGrill.com. That's BestHotGrill.com. BestHotGrill.com.
4: What is it costing you in vet bills for that convenience of
7: just pulling open a bag of
1: formulated, extruded, processed cereal bits...
7: That costs a ton of money anyways. How do you feed your dog to derive not
4: only energy, but a good coat, bright eyes, and a great attitude?
7: Come to Dynavite for help.
4: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E
7: dot oh. com. I found his raw
0: meat diet on Dinovite dot com. With just the raw meat and the eggs and the Dynavite and the Super Omega on top of it. Try Super Omega fish oil. Buy two. Get one free.
4: Brown beef, white rice, um, eggs, including the shells. And the dynavite supplement and then the lico chops.
7: Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. It just balances out his body and his mind and his spirit.
4: Adding dynavite to their diet has every single dog in my kennel looking better than they have ever looked. Their skin is so much better now that they're on the raw diet i don't even give them the kibble anymore d-i-n-o-v-i-t-e dot
8: com don't let your home be invaded this season with rats and mice keep them away the most humane way with plug-in pest free 100 percent chemical free totally safe for your family and pets and environmentally friendly g'day I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free, the electromagnetic pest control device that has been scientifically tested and consumer proven since 1995. Now that's fair income. With a 60-day money-back guarantee and a two-year manufacturer's warranty, what have you got to lose? Stop inviting unwanted rodents and pests in with baits. Say goodbye to traps and start saving money today with Plug-In Pest Free. Order yours now at gopestfree.com and save 20% with promo code SAVE20. That's gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. Are you ready to start saving money? gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. Don't spray and regret, plug in and forget. This
2: is the John StackerWalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer.
3: So here's a little bit more on the uh, the liberal sports media. It's going to be all over the NFL because they haven't hired a black coach yet. There's only one opening left, I think, uh, in Cleveland. But they were talking about it on ESPN, I guess, and Max Kellerman, who is uh, a liberal and a kind of a flamethrower. This is what this is what he said about um, the NFL team the. New York Giants hiring a guy who happened to be white and was a receivers coach and making him their head coach. So I guess he was going to say this no matter who they hired unless the guy was black. This is what he said. It's slavery. It's reconstruction. It's Jim Crow. We know what it is. This is a guy, this is why, look, there may be it may be completely due to racism. And it it may be a total injustice. I don't know. But when you throw something like that out there, you lose all credibility. If If you do have a good case to be made, when you say it's slavery, it's Reconstruction, it's Jim Crow, we know what it is. That couldn't be more ridiculous and stupid. But that's what Max Kellerman said. Maybe we'll have more on this coming up. Uh, maybe I'll try to come up with something on this tomorrow. But uh, thanks for joining, and thanks for Alan Dershowitz, to Alan Dershowitz for blowing us off.
2: The John Wall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group.